You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. You don't know about the, the other side of the pyramid? The fifth side? It's called the floor, you dumbass. <laughs> I just want to make sure he realizes there is a fifth side of the pyramid. And I believe none of them, which makes me an expert. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another great episode of the Cryptic Conspiracy Cult. I'm your host, Chris Morrison, and special guest, Alex. Welcome back. Glad to be here, man. It's just a little trek right on down the steps. Yeah. Uh, well, soon it might be a little bit further than a trip down the steps for some of us. But uh, Well, if you come here, yeah. we can still do a little Zoom call if we need to. Yeah, Zoom. Zoom. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do Zoom or Skype like it was meant. <laughs> or we'll use Teams. <laughs> I don't worry about Teams in anything. <laughs> That's what's fucked up is Teams is like the worst one out yep. of the bunch. In corporate America, it's just Teams. <laughs> but today we're going to be third time's a trial in this one, I will say. Uh, is this really the third? It is the third time. I thought it was only the second. Third. <laughs> Damn. Uh, today we will be discussing the one and only David Koresh, the Waco Siege. Now, I will say this was meant to be a way earlier episode. It but was. As you mentioned, third time's the charm. I forgot about one of them, but I do know that uh, this episode was originally recorded with Quinn and Mikey. And now, Mikey, I love you to death, brother. You know I do. An audio engineer, he is not. Um, and he proceeded to tell Chris, someone that is probably closer to a podcast audio engineer at this point with the amount of episodes he's done, allowed Mikey to tell him to turn all the microphones down except for one, which was you. So essentially, the episode turned into Chris yelling at himself for an hour and a half with some awkward random random pauses as it sounded like people outside were commentating as he goes back uh, as he goes back into his diatribe so yeah. uh yeah this was actually meant to be kind of a kickoff episode because uh you have a lot of information about this yes this is a staggering amount of uh, conspiracy and a cult really um which is why this episode's labeled as cult yeah and then and you know we're trying to get back into all all aspects of everything but this is kind of probably one of the biggest ones for just the united states alone um there's a lot of contention on information uh, a lot of trust and distrust for the federal governments who's in charge what really happened some great acronyms coming out of this yes the whole fucking alphabet squad shows up for this uh i was just talking about we ain't coming out yeah waco (laughs) the dea atf uh fbi uh, fbi everybody everybody's involved in this one um but Hell, yeah, Jesus is even involved. A little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> just a little. But, just, uh, just a touch of Bible. Yeah, but like I said, we'll be speaking about David Koresh and the Branch Davidians, um, a separatist movement from the Seventh-day Adventist, which is a popular religion here in North Carolina. Yes. Um, Seventh-day Adventism uh, spawns more cults than any other form of Christianity. Started in the uh, 1930s, correct? The Branch Davidians started in the 1930s. Uh, Seventh-day Adventism started around the turn of the century, around 1890. Uh, Major figures that were involved 
in a in an odd way i'm not gonna say directly involved were uh the people that invented Kellogg cornflakes those are um uh, madame Vlotsky, which is another cultish aspect we'll get down when we go talking about the occult during the uh, time between world war one and two um now it, elaborate a bit because again I, I still feel strongly that at some point we need to have an episode of many myths or mm-hmm. many conspiracies yes. um and, and I would like for us to go a little bit more in depth with this on that episode, but but give the listeners a little taste as to what is the cornflake, the Kellogg's cornflake conspiracy. So long ago, the Kellogg brothers um, had began to experiment a little bit with uh, sanitariums. Uh, during the turn of the century, uh, sanitariums were very big about sanitarium. And imagine that beat drilled into your motherfucking head while you eat cornflakes. Um, but they had accidentally created cornflakes. Uh, they believed in a strict diet of a high-protein high carb diet. Uh, they believed diet and sunshine cured all your fucking problems. Um, and that was a very held belief in a lot of places. Um, and see, and that winds up being the problem is like mm. all of these nutty conspiracies are rooted in truth because, yes, a good diet, exercise, and sunlight, go touch no. grass, motherfuckers, all of that shit is extremely good for you. So, so there's your basis of correct. So what they what they believed was a strict, strict conservative values when it came to sexual exploration. Um a lot of abstinence, even self-abstinence, uh, no masturbation. They even believe that a strong enough diet and curricular activity could prevent you from, you know, playing with the devil. <laughs> but all right, they're wrong. Yes, <laughs> but cornflakes were supposed cornflakes. to help with that. Yeah, so uh, they tried to invent a type of cereal made of wheat. Um, to where, uh, keep in mind, back then they didn't have they had milk, but that's not what cereal was going with back then. You ate it with water. Uh, the first grain cereals introduced into the American diet were all with water. It wasn't until later on with the mass production of milk that milk was added. That's interesting. I That's really did not know that. fucking terrible. <laughs> uh, that, yes, I, I just chose the word interesting. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that sounds fucking horrible. Yeah. But uh, along the way, um, a sect of Christianity called the Seventh-day Adventists got involved in this uh, self-care version of healing um, they too believed that the end was coming but they also believed in health um, be healthy it, for when the rapture comes yeah uh, a good example of this every hundred years or so since 1820 um, the united states has a religious revival of some sort uh, early 1820s you had the mormons the shakers which became quakers later on you had mediums and uh psychics come up out of the 1820s 1920s you have your branch davidians church which is not named after david koresh they're named after the davidian family within the bible yeah Um, i realized that was actually a pretty common misconception yes uh well when you change your name to fucking david you know what are you going to name your your cult alex alexis (laughs) no you just confuse a bunch of i home stuff that's what you would do i can't call my cult christians that's just rude (laughs) Duh. Duh. Mine would be called soldiers. <laughs> God's good soldiers. God's good soldiers. It just turns into like that ma- that fucking like ending speech from that preacher from Midnight Mass, where you just need God's soldiers, and it's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. you t- you took a turn. After listening to the uh, review you and Christy did on that, I still need to go watch it. 
God, it's fucking scary as shit. Uh, my girl was saying this. She was like, that thing was nuts. Because we were looking through some shit to watch last night. And she's like, did you watch that? I was like, no, but um, Chris and his buddy uh, Chris, he did an episode on it. She's like, that show was fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like in the 1920s, you had the Branch Davidians. You have some singular cults that pop up throughout Europe. Um, you have this weird version of Norse mythology that you know the Germans kind of adhere to after World War II, which ends up becoming the big Nazis. So like that that played a big part into that. So you know it is the 2023 now. So I'm waiting for another one. God damn it! It's going to be fun. It might be Muslims this time. Who knows? Um, but so you have this big religious you know upheaval um, which creates the branch davidians and they they are hardliners compared to the seventh day adventists and when we talk about seventh day adventists in any type of structure it's always all they believe the end is coming the end is nigh uh, very close resemblance to like jehovah witnesses and stuff like that but they are tame compared to the Branch Davidians. Branch Davidians tend to uh, single themselves out, much like they did with the whole Waco situation. Um, going into this real quick, the Waco siege is mainly what we'll be talking about and what happened before and the ripple effects afterward. Uh, the the siege happened in February 28th of 1993, where federal agents attempted to execute a warrant against Mr. Uh, David Koresh. The ATF, with false evidence, accused David Koresh of uh, withholding uh, military rifles, explosives, uh, which we are in the purview of the ATF. The siege ended on April 19th, 1993, when a fire broke out, burning most of the remaining Branch Davidians, leaving 76 dead, mainly children, and yes. Mr. David Koresh. Uh, a lot of those were his wives. A lot of those were his children. <laughs> Sorry, I was just yeah. making a joke since yeah. he that, that that's one of the things that kind of gets glossed over a little bit when people are, you know, pro Waco. It's like motherfucker had underage like brides, chill out. <laughs> a lot of them were his children. So yeah. uh, 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 we'll go into what kind of lifestyle they had. Polygamy. <laughs> uh, well it's not really much polygamy as it is give your wife to me. I'm gonna have a child with her and then you can have her back. Yeah. So that's mainly what it was. Um and that's a very loose interpretation, I will say. Yeah. Um, but with David Koresh coming into the church uh, after it's founded in 1935, um, there is a mishmash of information from both sides, pre-David Koresh and post-David Koresh. Um, before all this happens, what leads this up is there was an incident with a uh, group, uh, a local terrorist group in California that had antagonized and committed um, federal arms violations and the ATF responding to these situations sieged a compound by this group this was a white supremacy group at the time uh, fire rang out from the cabin they fired back ended up burning the house down because it was full of munitions so now there is a public eye for the first time of a government agency Fighting a group of perceived terrorists or Americans. Americans. So when you think about that, as plainly as it is, the government enforcers came and burned this house to the ground filled with Americans. So you get a very weird painted look of the story. Mm -hmm. A more simple look is these people are planning to kill people. And the fucking government killed them. Yes. <laughs> so there's another version of that. It's very simple. <laughs> uh, and right after this, you have an incident uh, in Ruby Ridge, yes. uh, Mr. Randy Reaver. Um, 
That could honestly be his whole episode. Yeah, that could. Uh, just a quick little thing. Uh, Randy Weaver decided to move his family out into the wilderness, um, not far from a white supremacy compound. Now, I'm not saying he is or was, but there were Birds of a feather. <laughs> that, but those, there was a stipulation with that goes along. Um, I've read both his books. They tend to condescend each other or contradict each other just a little bit on timeline wise. Um, no, the books were very condescending to each other. It was like, bitch, I was here first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've known people that met Randy Weaver. Uh, really? Uh, he does a circuit. He did for a very long time, did a circuit on gun shows um, where he sold books and stuff like that. Well, Mr. Reaver's family was killed in a siege from FBI to serve a warrant. He refused to cooperate beforehand uh, of selling illegal uh, legal arms to these white supremacists for basis to arrest them. He refused to. He evaded a warrant. They executed the warrant involving the death of his wife, his small child, um, and pretty much the annihilation of his family, except for two daughters. This is another plain view that the American people have just saw within the same administration, the Clinton administration, of the government used special tactics and weapons ATF, FBI-type material and killed a man and his family. Yeah. That's what they saw. Not the finer details that are always part of the story. Every time. Yeah. So, now we have a situation. While this is going on, uh, David Koresh has decided to join the Branch Davidians. He had formed a close relationship with the matriarch of this um, congregation. He was very suave, very slick. Yeah. He played the fuck out of rock and roll. If you go and look, and this, is, this is kind of a thing about cult leaders I've noticed. They're good musicians, and they're they're half or halfway good musicians. I'm calling Charles Manson in that one, but like they're half-ass good musicians, and they can sweet talk their way out of anything. You're telling me there's a chance. There's a chance. <laughs> Cap, going back to Memphis, man. You got a fucking bushful <laughs> a nut bushful <laughs> oh. oh but um but no so like with with him entering this congregation um he's not so much as a jim jones type which is a high charismatic man but he is someone who knows the context of what he's talking about this man knew the bible like the back of his hand um now the leader of this church at the time in mount carmel located in waco texas um the home of dr pepper in fact, that's where Dr. Pepper was created. Um, that's why it's bad for you. <laughs> that's why, why it's bad. bad for you. He's not a real doctor. <laughs> Just like the captain's not a real captain in Crunch. Like fucking frauds everywhere, man. Stolen valor. <laughs> fucking disrespectful. So, so uh, her son had been running the organization. Um, and a split kind of happened on the compound itself. Uh, that's what they uh, were... A lot of the congregation lived and worked out of the uh, the church or compound. Um, they freely left, and this is another misconception. The branch divinians could freely leave and come back as they saw fit. This was the word "compound" is a very distinct word when we think about it. This was a a commune more yes. than it was a com- a compound. But um, 
because even I may be jumping the gun a little bit, but it's still relevant to this. Uh, you know, people that made it out before the you know mass everything happening. You know, one guy was you know being interviewed, and they're like, "Do you still consider yourself part of the sect?" He goes, "I never knew I was." He goes, "I just kind of like I was a Christian, you know, so I I didn't see him as like the end all be all guy. I was just you know this was a place for me to stay." Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's another thing about the cult aspect. Uh, there are little anecdotes. Hey, what's the difference between a religion and a cult? Hey, the guy that wrote the book, he's dead. A cult, he's still alive. Right, <laughs> you right. know what I'm saying? So, that, so that's that's kind of like the, the anecdotal evidence. A cult is something that uses religion to abuse their authority, use power over others, kind of like Scientology or Costco. Costco? Costco. We love you. <laughs> i thought there was gonna be something welcome deeper. to costco i love we, you i love you <laughs> no if, uh anyone has not seen idiocracy definitely check yeah. that one out but it is a uh or organized group of people who have a, tier, a hierarchy of people in charge right within branch divinians much like um, baptists methodists lutherans you have deacons parishioners and stuff like that um his church was no different um it comes to a head with the uh, patriarch of the religion where him and David Koresh get, have some words to a point where guns are drawn. Um, and by happenstance, they go to court. David Koresh understands the rule of authority very well. When the authorities arrive, he has no weapons. He goes by the orders of the police he talks with the sheriff and shows no air of violence, attitude, and proceeds to show the golden light that is David Koresh. The other man, on the other hand, is so fucking angry and starts talking shit, gets violent with the police to the point where he's arrested for assault. And then, when the court case comes, he threatens to kill the judge because he said David Koresh showed no violence and maintain candor throughout the whole incident, and therefore there are no charges. He's dropping charges. So, because of this, the judge is like, bag him, tag him, throw him in a cell. So now, David Koresh is now the head of the Branch Davidians. But not so much as just through legal authority. It was more through compassion. He mm -hmm. devoted a lot of his time to his parishioners, to his congregation, um, to the point where he just became the leader of of um, the Branch Davidians. Now, there is a little side note to this. Uh, David Koresh, like some cult leaders, were about the money. Oh, yeah. So much like Jim Jones, he had a side hustle. Uh, his side hustle was manufacturing firearms. Now, for those who don't know, in the 90s, there is a wishy-washy thing about rules with firearms. Um, going into, I'm just going to briefly explain to it. You have an AR-15, which is a rifle. Most people own this rifle. Uh, you have an upper and a lower. Two parts come together to make one rifle. The main sticking point of this rifle is the lower part because it has all the manufacturing information on it. I could take the top, throw it in the trash, and buy another top and just put it on the gun. That doesn't fucking matter. The lower receiver part is what matters. Uh, when he manufactured guns, he had a friend who was part of the congregation who was a parishioner use the compound to make firearms, to make money, 
for the church. That was his side hustle. And other people worked in the church to do this. On average, in a strong majority of the other people that went to this church did not do that. Right. They lived their lives. They lived on the compound. They had jobs. The, they people stayed behind and had daycares and stuff like that. So this was a commune community that reached out to the community itself, that worked within the community. People in Waco knew the Branch Davidians, but they didn't see them like we see, let's say, the Quakers or the Amish or Mennonites these people were still just regular folk. Right. No different than going out to like the milestone and talking to somebody and someone's casually saying, Oh yeah, I gotta go to uh, I gotta go to Temple yeah. tomorrow. Oh, okay, cool. That's how it was. There was no distinguishable factors. They did not abscond with anyone's belongings at any time. They didn't <laughs> they didn't try to pull the old bait and switch and sell jelly. Like <laughs> Which is a big, jams and jellies. That's a big thing with cults. That's a big anthill kids. Uh, mm-hmm. A Mormon cult in Canada sold jams and jellies. Hey, ostrich meat solves all. Yep, <laughs> meat. That's another part. And guess what? The branch Davidians, they weren't fucking vegans either. So <laughs> there was some cognitive ability still left in their brain. But you can have as many wives as you damn want. Yeah. Not like the Mormons. <laughs> the Mormons are wishy washy. Yeah, they keep changing the rules all the damn time. Can't no, drink. no, no. We changed our mind. We changed our mind. I want four wives and I want to drink a Mountain Dew. <laughs> Not in this Mormonism. <laughs> take that shit to Canada. Not this year. Not this year. But so uh, going into like the ATF real quick, uh, the this is kind of funny. So the is that a- for the awesome tactical force. Oh, it's for the uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Tobacco and, and Firearms. Firearm. That is not his name today. It's the Department of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives. The fact that it's not called fate bothers the shit out of me because <laughs> that. Dude, if I saw a, I'm, I gotta say, if I saw a stacked team of eight guys come out of an armored vehicle with the word "fate" on their back, I'm dropping my fucking shit. Like I'm just like, I give up, I give up. You would, you would. If anybody says seen a guy with like who's six foot two, two hundred pounds, running at you with a rifle with the word "fate" on his back, you'd shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, see, I'm laughing because when did they add explosives to it? Is that pretty recent? The explosives was added uh, right before 9-11, actually, uh, because of people like Ted Kaczynski and uh, Timothy McVeigh. Okay. So uh, explosives is a broad term as well. Yeah. Uh, the reason alcohol, tobacco, and firearms are one thing is because these are commodities. Yeah. Um, a good scam the mafia would do is come down south in North Carolina to Winston-Salem, buy a shit ton of cigarettes, bring them up north and sell them. <laughs> Damn. As part of their mafia thing. Like, that was part of their, that was one of many things. Yeah. Uh, tobacco, firearms. Firearms are a state kind of right kind of situation. So everyone has different rules about interstate firearm travel. Uh, alcohol, the same thing. If I go to South Carolina, I can only buy so much alcohol before coming back here because there's a stamp on it. You know, alcohol is actually cheaper in South Carolina by like a whole dollar. So, you know, if I'm buying in bulk, that's where I'm going to go. But, in the in the broad spectrum, they are commodities, no different than like diamonds and gold, because they right. fluctuate in value. I buy guns because they're a commodity, not because I need them, but because I can pawn them later. <laughs> it's your art pieces. It's my art pieces. It's like yes, I bought this for five hundred dollars, and when the shit blows nasty, I have it. Or if I need groceries, I could just sell the motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or I can go get groceries with it. <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. So. That that's an aspect of you know commodities and you can either use it to get groceries or use it to, to get, get groceries. groceries. Yeah, 
I could use it to go get stuff, or I can use it to go get stuff. Um, I can get a new car with it. <laughs> or I can get a new car with it. Yeah. <laughs> I, could, I could catch so much shit with this, even a felony. <laughs> so, with the ATF, um, the ATF has is not actually a, a bureau much like the FBI. The FBI works within interstate crime, which is crime committed across states. The ATF is actually a branch of the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service. So they they are a big part of it. They're just an arm of the IRS, much like the Secret Service and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, now, during the time of David's kind of command of the church, there were allegations of abuse. Now, I'm going to leave it at allegations. Yeah. Now, so the, local, was. the local sheriff had investigated the allegations, talked to former um, – congregants uh talk to children and everything seemed to be on the up and up i can't say i wasn't there but the sheriff confirmed that he did an investigation talked to david koresh talked to the church and that was the end of it you can speculate all you want but that's just what happened and it also seems like considering koresh and his crew are kind of the villains of the story or at least that's the way that especially the cops want to paint it it feels as if there were anything they would have taken and blown it up so while this is going on the atf kind of get involved because of allegations of illegal firearm manufacturing <laughs> so this is where why this is why it, this is a mainly my point of view do not trust the police in any shape or form because they will lie to kill you not just the police but the police the police uh the alphabet squad's goal is to kill you uh that's the end of the game so they send four agents to investigate this accusation of illegal firearm manufacturing the problem is the four men they send one of them knows dick about guns you would think in being a person who investigates alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, firearms, you really need to know the firearm part. Not just the alcohol, tobacco part. Maybe learn the firearm part. Just maybe. I know about explosives, but I'm not going to say I know it all on the resume. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So going into this, um, David Koresh notices these men. Uh, the official investigation begins, and he shows them where they're manufacturing the guns, and he shows them the federal firearm license, the FFL. Uh, for those that don't know, if you want to sell and buy guns or manufacture weapons, you have to have that in your state. Uh, it's a federal rule, not a state rule. It's you just have to have it. My uncle has one. He buys and sells guns, and that's why he keeps it on the up and up. One of those things is federal review, testing, things like this. Um, what really brought on the investigation was someone said they were using fully automatic weapons on the compound. What they, the problem was the person who submitted this thought they heard automatic gunfire. In the 90s, automatic guns were very rare, damn near illegal because of the Brady Bill, because Stephen King shot Ronald Reagan. No, <laughs> no he shot John Lennon. I'm kidding. <laughs> You're creating new episodes as we speak. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, there was a, there was a, a push down on firearms and someone having a fully automatic rifle is not a good idea right but if you have a ffl you can manufacture one and sell it granted you're paying a lot of money in taxes to have the license and you're paying a lot of money in taxes to manufacture but at the end of the day you're still making a lot of money 
So the church, this wasn't their main income, but it was a big part of their income. Um, because you remember, families live here, people live mm-hmm. here. You know, um, this was a, a community onto itself. Um, its own little town. Yeah, and if you look at Waco, it's not the greenest place on earth. It is. It's half-ass a desert. Not a lot of stuff there. It's Texas. It's part of that clay dirt. Well, it's Texas. It's a lot really flat. Uh, tornadoes all the time. It's kind of kind of like God hates Texas huh. instead of God bless Texas. I'm pretty sure he fucking hates it. <laughs> We'll find out in the summer. <laughs> See how hot it gets. <laughs> See if they turn their electricity on. I have a lot of animosity for Texas. I see that. Yep. There goes all our Texas listeners. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the most genuine sassy bye I've ever heard from you. Just bye. Well, it's just like a tombstone. Well, bye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, that's what we put every time someone leaves the Discord. Like someone will join for like two yeah. days and then and it's leave. Just powers and... booth from Tombstone. Well, bye. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you weren't cool enough to stick around. You I stuck around for two people. days. I, when I worked at Powerhole, that's one of the things I used to send in the uh, Teams chat when someone said they were leaving. Yeah. Like leaving permanently. Well, bye. <laughs> and everybody like, Bitch. really, Chris? I'm like, fuck him. I don't care. I never <laughs> see him again. I'll see him on Facebook. <laughs> But, uh, he could digitally kiss my ass. Yeah. Uh, but with the the investigation beginning and stuff like that, um, he initially lets them into the compound to see everything. This wasn't good enough for these four agents. So these four agents believed that they could rent a house, which was a property across the across the way, um, and pretend to be college students. These were grown-ass men. I'm not saying grown-ass men can't be college students, but when there's four of them living in a house, all driving black Suburbans. Yeah. Yeah, you're not fucking college kids. But... They might be fucking college kids. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, David Koresh, again, saw through this and invited them to the place. Hey, we're having a get-together. Come for the sermon. Stay later. We're having a big dinner. Much like Southern... Come for the ster- sermon. Stay for the guns. Yeah. And, you know, you know, praise Jesus and pass the ammunition. You know, like, <laughs> this is how it is. So, this main the main comes up in Agent Rodriguez, which is the main point of this, um, the, the tipping-off point. Um, they go in, and he leaves and reports that they are legally making receivers for the firearms they are not their thing was they bought the lower ones that are stamped and were manufacturing the top end because the top end fun fact is mainly made of metal yeah the bottom is made of a hard carbon or plastic right. they cannot make stamps they are just making the the, the full uppers to these guns mm-hmm. another thing they're doing is buying faux grenades and gunpowder because they also make their own bullets. If you know anybody that makes their own bullets, you'll know that they have to have a large large amount of gunpowder because that's to be weighed per shell, load it, stamp it, put it in the gun. Three parts to a bullet, the bullet, the shell, the primer cap. Gunpowder's added, now you got a full round. They were doing that also. Well, why the fake grenades for it? So this goes into the Branch Davidian part of it they believed the end was coming and they would need to defend themselves uh the faux grenade yeah, i was wondering when that part yeah. was going to get wrapped so up. the faux grenade part was very important in the agreement to 
lay siege to the place. Um, with faux grenades, you're actually just showing people how to throw a grenade. It's technically not illegal. You can't, like some things, fun fact, you can buy an RPG, which is a rocket propelled grenade. You just can't buy the rocket. Not a role playing game? No. Uh, Damn. You can be. <laughs> it can be. As he stares off into space. It can be. In my compound full of 40 gallon drums of Mountain Dew and Jerpster. <laughs> Jerpster. <laughs> I gotta say, but Dale's plan for the end days would have been fucking hilarious. It would have been. I would <laughs> love. I want to see a Fallout mod of Dale Gribble. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Or just the NPC Dale Gribble. Just mm. like, hey man, what can I get you? Smoking a cigarette. Nerds get on that shit. There's enough yeah. King of the Hill fandom out there. There's some yeah. super fan that's here in this that can do it. Do it to it. Make it happen. Do it to it. But what kind of sends everything over the edge is. A, Rodriguez's report back. So they decide to lay siege to this place. Before they do, however, David Koresh's brother-in-law is driving on his his way back from the compound. And the ATF decide to tell the news that they're going to lay siege to the place. Why? Because they want positive spin. That's what they're shooting for. That these people are making guns like the ones in California, like the ones at Ruby Ridge, and they want to show a positive view on this. But they also want to safely get David Koresh out of there because they believe because he was so cordial before, he will just lay down his arms and, you know, be arrested. Yeah, but that's like if a robber comes up to you and yells right beforehand, hey, I'm going to shoot you. Then, like, stares at you for a second and slowly pulls his gun out. It's like, why announce it on the news? So, a news van, a local news van, uh, was driving around, and they couldn't find the compound. They meet David Koresh's brother-in-law, and he says, hey, you guys lost, because he's a good old boy. He's going to ask and offer some help. Hey, we're looking for the Branch Davidian Church. Uh, There's going to be a siege by the ATF, and we're going to try to get there to get through. So, he points them into an opposite fucking direction, gets to a telephone, calls David, and alerts them of the news. Now, other than Agent Rodriguez's report, the uh, witness saying he heard automatic gunfire, there was a third thing that happened. Um, A UPS driver, or FedEx driver, I can't quite remember, uh, a delivery driver had made it to the compound and was delivering a box of these faux grenades the box opened in transit and he got scared that he was delivering grenades to a church and he reported this and this is what the atf later uses in court cases post siege of why they committed this act got it so as soon as all this comes in another layer comes out where the atf find out they investigated the, the local sheriff's department investigated him for possible child molestation they used that as their main reason to go now keep in mind this agency's job is alcohol tobacco and firearms has nothing to do with child welfare cps or anything that encompasses that so they are actually going over their legal purview and going after david koresh they know that this compound is lock stock ready to rock these people manufacture guns. The Branch Davidians have a very distinct way 
of how they see the future and David Koresh. Death. Yeah. And that's Death. and that's one of the, you know, things that he was preaching about. He's like, the end is coming and we can either lay down or we could show them the will of God. That is fine. But once you that sentence alone yeah. is scary. We can either lay down and die or show them the will of God. And I just made that up. That's a that's a brief description of this full sermon he's giving. If you've seen the movie Red State, you understand how south this can go very quickly. And if you've seen the Netflix series, you will realize there are a lot of inaccuracies. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll talk about that real quick. There have been multiple, multiple tellings of this story. Um, but some of the inaccuracies are how the ATF approached David. Some are how irrational. Who shot first. Who shot first. Um how irrational David Koresh was uh, and how the administration, the, the presidential administration handled it at the time. There's a lot of scapegoating in the series. Um, and we'll talk about it again because now Showtime has picked it up, not new Netflix. And they will be continuing on the story of post Waco and uh, the issues that happened. And we'll discuss that too. But so the siege begins. David refuses to come out. But a main part of that was he refuses to come out unless he tells them they can't come in. He'll leave with them. He agreed. There's actually video footage of him outside the church saying he'll come out, but you will not come after them, the congregation. ATF refuses. Negotiator gets lost on the way because he wasn't part of the first wave of units. So he gets lost. Well, now this is where the standoff begins. Now this is where threats are being made. Some call it orders from a cop. I call it a fucking threat because it sounds like a goddamn threat. Like <laughs> if a cop <laughs> if I'm t- being real, if a cop's got a dr- gun drawn on you for no fucking reason and he's telling you to kneel, that's a fucking threat. <laughs> he's gonna put one in the back of your fucking head. Yeah, <laughs> that's why you get them first. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game of fucked up tag. So pow, you're it. Yeah. So, in February 28th of 93, this is where it began, the tail end of February. Yes. So, this is where the clock ticks. This is a siege that lasts a very long time. Longer than I remembered when I was going back and kind of reviewing the history of this. Yes. This is 51 days. So, and it ends in a very odd time of April 19th of uh, 93. So, for fun fact, April 19th and April 20th in American history is a very volatile time in American history. Um, Adolf Hitler died on April 20th. Columbine happened on April 20th. Waco happens. Uh, Oklahoma City bombing happened on April 20th. So these things have a ripple effect on this date. Um, At one point, the FBI said the most high-risk day before 9-11 was the month of April. High risk. Yeah. High risk. It's funny, you fucking pothead terrorists, <laughs> communists, cocksuckers. Nah, man. 420 is just a weed day. It's not all that other It's a shit. terrorist signal. Now, wait a minute. I thought it was Hitler's birthday, not the day he died. Um, this is uh, death. Okay. Yeah, because uh, not long after, FDR dies. Okay. Got it. Um, it's possibly his birthday. I don't know Hitler's birthday. Of all the, I don't, I, e- I I don't, don't either, either, but I just thought that was what it was. I'd look it up, but it'd fuck up the algorithm. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I remember on Facebook years ago, people doing like 
uh, like the fake Facebook mom posts and yeah. being like, yeah, you may think today is all about your devil's lettuce, but in reality, you're celebrating Hitler's birthday. That kind of shit. Yeah. I just remember and seeing plus, those. And, so, yeah. and plus, April is kind of a high risk month because of the, the weirdest fucking holiday exists in April. April 1st. April Fool's Day. Yeah. I don't talk to anybody on that fucking day. Like, they're fucking liars. I, I really don't it's, like that's that. That's my parents' day. anniversary. <laughs> no shit. That's if my dad up. was an asshole, he'd just like, I got, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't. But it's a fun Or day. if you really want to be an asshole, be like, yeah, that was a fake certificate. April Fool's. <laughs> Chokes on you. But, uh. <laughs> You've been single this whole time. <laughs> yeah. That, that. That would have ended in a death. <laughs> but with the with April twentieth, April twenty eighth, or February twenty eighth, going into April nineteenth, this begins a series of finger pointing accusations, and it just goes off the rails. Now, as part of the ATF, the people that give the orders to the ATF um, is the State Department. At that time, the head of state. The head of the Secretary of State office was a woman named Janet Reno. Janet Reno got made fun of so goddamn much during SNL's time. Uh, Will Ferrell would dress up as Janet Reno, and it would be the most hilarious fuck. She was a very mannish-looking woman. Um, but her office is actually, for the first two weeks of the siege, are not notified of how serious this is. The only time it gets ahead is when the news starts piling up. So they had created a perimeter around around Wake um, Mount Carmel. That's the name of the compound. Yeah. Um, to where there was a ridge line of news trucks. Now, people from all over the country were watching this live. Um, one one narrative is government agents seek to burn to uh, siege church right for n- no reason and it's just like okay that's one side and then you have the other one it's just like no the the a federal agency is investigating a church that is hiding firearms illegally and this guy's refusing the search warrant so you have two sides of the story already and it's building up to a head well while this is going on, there is a man who, a young man who just got out of the army named Timothy McVeigh. Timothy McVeigh decides to drive down there and see what it's all about. He's selling bumper stickers and weird paraphernalia. Uh, one of those paraphernalia is a book called The Turner Diaries. Uh, I read this book once. It is the dumbest fucking book I think I've ever read. It's about a, it's a sci-fi fascist <laughs> racist look at what they think the world is going to be. I'm pretty sure I'm I'm pretty sure I'm going to fucking watch list because of this book because I got it from fucking Kindle. (laughs) (laughs) That's Amazon. And like it's it's the most racist fucking futurism I've ever seen. Jeez. Like up to the point where it's like all the guns were taken away. Uh, Roving gangs of black policemen are stabbing white folk to death. Wow. It ends with them blowing up a federal building. So you can kind of see where Timothy McVeigh kind of got his ideas from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also this big anti-government, pre-QAnon bullshit, conspiracy, stuff like that. Um, Militia type shit. Militia type shit. Um, With that being said, though. Because that's an episode itself. Yeah. With that being said, there are reasons to not trust your government. Absolutely. There are reasons 
to trust them though <laughs> like you know it is a functioning government so, you know you're not somehow you're not in iraq in 2003 so be happy yeah <laughs> as much as you can be uh, be the change <laughs> <laughs> be the change you want to see in this or world. whatever obama said in 20, uh, 2008 <laughs> but i find it also interesting that the very kickoff of this is also shrouded in mystery yes so um the ATF, with the help of the FBI, the FBI is on scene, decide to enter the compound through a window on the second floor. A ladder is going up. You have three agents who are mic'd up uh, go toward the building. Okay. They smell gasoline. And this is the two different reports. We'll go with the first report. The first official report was... Uh, Recordings from inside the building say, douse it in gas. Well, there's only one reason you douse something in gas is if you're going to fucking ignite it. Well, are you talking about the very end of this? No, I'm talking about this has actually happened within the corridor. This is what the Okay, cops, this has happened day one. Yeah, this is day one of the siege. Okay. okay so pre preamble of the siege, they're on the property just trying to talk to David. Yeah, so that's what I was talking about. No. So, But on that even... That is shrouded in mystery mm. because of who shot first on yeah, that's, that day. That's what I'm getting to. Okay, okay. So the three men who are mic'd up claim they heard two men dousing in gas. Their belief was two men, two of the parishioners, had doused the hallway in gas going to the window on the second floor in which the AT, three ATF agents are on the roof. They proceed to fire their weapons down the hall because they believe they heard the clack of a gun. The Branch Davidians who are on that floor begin to fire back, which that, 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 is, that is a fact. One officer is shot through the wall and exits out the window. You can see in the footage bullet holes coming through the wall itself while they're on the roof. There is no footage of the inside at that time. Body cams didn't really exist to the extent they are now, but that's the evidence we have. And this is this is the official, I'm quote, quotation marks on this, this is the official court filings information. Uh, they proceed to fire back and drag the body of one of the agents off the roof and flee while firing at the compound, along with other stationary officers around the compound. So now it's a free-for-all of them firing into a church filled with not just David Koresh, but with children, women, and possibly armed men. There is an understanding to that, but there's also, oh, fuck, I heard a shot. Let me just fire wildly. Wildly, I'm I'm being very accurate with that. Wildly at a fucking giant compound. You don't know where that bullet's going through. You don't know what that wall is made of. You have no idea what kind of structure you're firing at. You could be hitting bricks for all you know, or you can be hitting drywall. Yeah. They descend down the roof, and this is where it just ramps up from here. Gunshots are heard. Gunshots are heard within the building. Um, they've been in telephone contact with David Koresh this whole time. Now, you can decide whether or not it's ethically right what they did afterward it is kind of a weird situation because we all like hindsight we know everything about david pretty much and what he did within the compound but you have to take a lot of this with a grain of salt so 
as the siege progressed, one of the things they would do is turn off the water, turn off the power. And they did this tactic that was used against Noriega, which was a, uh, a drug launderer, um, which was blast sounds or music at the building at all times. Uh, yep. One of these is... And blinding light through the yes, windows so, as well. So they could not sleep. Uh, they couldn't close the curtains because the light was too bright. Um, some of the sounds they played were rock music, um, the sound of rabbits being killed, which is a very unique sound. Um, and it's a horrifying sound. Like yeah. it's not, it's not rhythmic. It is just all over the fucking place. Right. And they would play these sounds all day, all night. This is used to get out dictators or, you know, uh, supplanted governments or soldiers out of an area. This is, shouldn't be used to get some dude out of a compound. Um, and this is kind of where the failings are starting to pile up on the government end. Now, some Branch Davidians said, no, we did not pour gasoline in the church. Why would we do that? Why would we burn our homes down? Some of them said, they shot at us. And I had my kid next to me, so I fucking popped one at him. And you have one branch of video literally saying, I'm glad he's fucking dead. I hope he never come. I hope he dies. I hope his family dies. Like, there's some vitriol shit on the stand. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm fucking with you, man. Fuck him. Fuck his entire bloodline. I don't, yeah, fuck them all. And it's, it's kind of like a riveting part of the story is... Was it necessary to go this far on the government end? And did they go farther than that? We just don't know. And this is part of the conspiracy part of this, the anti-cult. So it's more conspiracy on the ATF than it is about David Koresh. And see, one of the theories I heard was uh, one of the ATF officers shot one of the dogs. And that's what incited everything as well. Mm-hmm. And then I also heard that official reports label it as inconclusive. Mm-hmm. Which, in my opinion, talking about your whole you know opinion on authority and everything, if the authority is trying to claim to be in the right in the whole scenario, and someone higher than them goes, okay, well, who started it? Yeah, and they go, well, I mean, we we don't really know who started it. It, it was probably the cops. Yeah. It was probably the ATF. Yeah. <laughs> so so that, that's the way I kind of looked at that. It's just like, if they want to like poke at Koresh and the Branch Davidians for all of this stuff, and then like they go, okay, well, who started it? And they're like, oh, well, I mean, that's kind of inconclusive. Yeah, yeah I kind of lean this, a certain and, way. And this is kind of like, when I, when I speak about this subject, there's a lot of, well, so you agree with David? No. I don't believe that you should hold yourself up with weapons on a compound praying for the end to come so you can have a murder fantasy. You you can villa, you can uh, you can hate one side without glorifying the yes. other. You're simply sitting here I, I fully understand what you're saying. You're saying that the tactics used by the authorities in charge it's the same thing as like lighting a cigarette with a blowtorch. It's like it was way too much for what they were trying to do. And at the same time David was a little wacky, so I understand the paranoia. But again, there was still no reason to go as no. far as they did because they really had no reason to. And now, now keep in mind, this is still 93. Yep. 
Columbine hasn't happened yet. The American people are looking at this as an overstep of the government. You have an economy going on the uptick with the Clinton administration, but you're also seeing the dark side of the administration, which was government overreach through the bureaus. Um, One of these acts is the FBI investigation to Bill Gates later on over monopolies and stuff like that during the time of uh, Steve Jobs needing money from Bill Gates, and he ends up stocking up Bill with uh, money to prop up Apple. Is that a monopoly? No, it's Coke and Pepsi. Shut the fuck up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but like, there was at one time Bill Gates was like considered a scary guy because yeah. he was going to be the tech guy, yep. and he turned out to just be a dude with glasses with, seven, <laughs> with like 17 kids. Yeah. <laughs> They're all fucking mostly adopted. Weirdo. Too. It's fucking hilarious. He, you know, he doesn't give them money after he dies. Yep. Like it's fucking hilarious. It's just, like I made my money. You make your money too, bitch. I, I would be funny if they just find out. They just like after he dies, they all just get iPhones. <laughs> Fuck you. Fucking throw their Zune away. <laughs> this thing sucks. One kid's getting a Zune. I love my Zune. It's built tough. That's my boy. That's my boy. To the grave. But um, but with David, with, with David Koresh, you know, he within the parameters of legality, yeah, he's fine. He's not doing anything illegal that we know of. There are accusations, and accusations should be followed up on. But at the end of the day, as wacky as manufacturing guns in a church is, he's not breaking the law. Okay? Especially if he's only creating the top piece. Yeah. And granted, you know, in the beginning, yeah, they're investigating what they needed to do. They're, we could talk about how that, what they should have done, which we can talk for days about that, or how would you have handled the situation, you know. But at the end of the day, this is an action that's already happened. <coughs> and there are problems on both sides. A lot of fucking problems on both sides. Um, one of those problems was his marriage to a 14-year-old girl. Yeah, so that's what I was kind of saying. It's like, those yeah. are... <sighs> but but guess what? In Texas, that's totally fucking legal. Legal doesn't mean okay. Really? You think yeah, so? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why I want to legalize cocaine. <laughs> cocaine is okay for me. Get, no, marijuana is a lazy man's drug. Get America back to work <laughs> on that Nicaraguan marching powder. <laughs> Bring back, it. bring back the 120 hour work week. <laughs> but again, what's crazy though is like, okay, so the shootout happens, but that part even still lasted for three days. Yes, so they are constantly firing back. Now, after about the fourth day, okay, into the siege, uh, talks are beginning to happen. Uh, David's talking with an FBI negotiator, and he's telling him, he's like, look, we want to be left alone. We did nothing wrong. And also, sidebar, I do find it interesting, side note, whatever, um, that the FBI, ATF, authorities in charge, whatever, were really working with him, like sending in supplies yes. at one point gotta, and, and like allowing him to do his uh, evangelism like through local radio yeah, and so certain the, things and like that, that. And that, the evangelism part comes real big at the end before everything goes real south. Right before they start doing the dead rabbit noises and the fucking lights and shit, um, there was a there was an issue. Um, some people in the Branch of Indians had died. They had been shot. They had been killed. Um, and the bodies were still still sitting so, there. So they decided to go outside and bury the bodies of the congregation. The ATF were taking pop shots at them while they were burying their friends. They couldn't leave because 
they used APCs, which is Armored Personnel Carrier, and tanks to crush their vehicles in the lot outside. So they have no way of fleeing other than on foot. And there are tanks, APCs on site to harass these people and kill yeah. them. That, that, that's what it's for. I, I, I vehemently believe if they talk about like, a, so police stations around here, Charlotte, even my little hometown have put in requests for APCs and tanks and shit. If a cop needs a tank, he needs to kill you. That's what that means. Okay. That's just what that means. Yeah. I mean, we had those riots even a couple of years ago and we didn't need tanks for that. Yeah. We don't need tanks here in yeah. Charlotte. So that's what that is. It's a tool of authority. And so they fled back inside and, you know, got guns and fired back because that's what they fucking do. So to skip ahead a little bit, um, during this time, the siege has made national news. Pundits across across the country are talking. And, um, and you got to remember, the media isn't quite what it is now. You know, CNN and Fox aren't quite CNN and Fox News. You know, they're, they're, they're still just affiliates. Um, but around this time, Timothy McVeigh is watching all this live. And he's getting support from white supremacy groups at this time. And this is where Janet Reno meets with Bill Clinton. Now, we get the report from this from the uh, press secretary who was in the room. And she says, we need to siege the inside of this building and get David and arrest these people. Bill Clinton was, we need to wait. We need to wait. Yeah, I got an appointment at three <laughs> behind this desk, if you know what I mean. <laughs> hell wait yeah. a minute. Hell yeah. And just does a fucking fat line of blow. And um, fucking Welcome ru- to the night. Yeah, fucking brush his plate in the background. He's just a big Rush fan. You know, me, me and Stevie Nicks hung out together at the uh, University of Arkansas one time. You know why? Cause Bill Clinton He's never fun. forgets a bitch. <laughs> fucking cool. Fucking cool, man. But, um, <laughs> Anyway, so he decides to wait, which adds time to the siege. Janet Reno says, no, we need to go in now. Well, the siege ends up lasting almost 40 days. And she decides on her own authority, which technically is true, and advises the ATF to prepare for the, the final siege. And on the 51st day of April 19th, they decide to shoot into the building a gas uh this is called cs gas uh guys if you're listening if you were in the army uh that little trailer you had to run through that that fucked your shit up that's called cs gas for us that don't know that they have to get have to experience that gas it's tear gas yeah well fun fact over 30 canisters right yeah fun fact about cs gas uh people didn't realize it was flammable so this is where the biggest contention was who ignited the place now there is audio that says that as used as evidence that says the branch davidian said hey light it up they use this as proof that they lit the fires that caused the cs gas to ignite to begin the inferno i don't believe that but i can't prove that uh, Do you think they meant light it up as in like firefight, like gunshots, not literal fire, possibly. But 
you know, with tear gas coming in, throwing a Molotov cocktail out of nowhere would probably be a big mistake anyway. Right. Um, and before the siege actually happens, David tells his congregation, if you want to leave, please leave and take your children, except for my children. Um, over 70 of them were, were his children. Like He had a lot of kids. Um, now, during the siege, he is shot and bleeding out. Okay, so his mental capacity can be brought up on whether he's perfectly fine or if he's okay. Is he thinking straight? So during the time of the siege, you know, people are running out with their kids. And this is where the illegality part comes in with the authorities was they were snatching the people and the children, separating them and then questioning the children without their parental guardian which is a fucking which is fucking illegal but also saying why did david koresh rape you not if he did but why did he do this and the kids are obviously fucking terrified you just they they've been harassed by these people outside you've they've seen you know members of the church get killed by the people outside so now those people have got you they've got your mommy and daddy you know it's very scary and in my mind, I'm just thinking they should all be hanged. But like, <laughs> like the, you know, we could play a game of like, hey, how do you want to run the world? Mine gets very fascisty very quick for no goddamn reason. It involves three chickens. If we have listeners that know what I'm talking about, <laughs> it, it's it's a hilarious way of Chris's government. But another part of this is, what do we do with these people? Are have they committed a crime? They've, they've fled. Are they actual criminals? Yes, you know, apprehend them coming out because God forbid they have a bomb on them or some shit. But once you start apprehending some of these people, just, you know, put them to the side, get them out of the area. Don't snatch their fucking kid from them and just say, why were you raped? You know, it's just yeah. like it's a very visceral experience. And those kids, some of those kids are alive today and they talk about how their distrust for the police have kind of, you know, trickled into their lives, which, yeah. I don't understand. Fuck yeah. That's why NASCAR exists because people don't like cops. <laughs> <laughs> it's changed this mentality a lot. <laughs> but uh, around this time before they decide, before the fire even breaks out, um, David wanted to finish his his book, which was a uh, basically his Sermon on the Mount um, and his Revelations. That's what it calls. And he wanted it publicized on public TV. Now, the FBI negotiator was perfectly fine with this. Janet Reno was not. The FCC worried about what was in it. And you know, we've talked about it before how the FCC in the '90s got a little weird, especially around music. Yeah, but I could imagine how uptight, up their own ass they would have got about this guy from Texas being like, "Let me tell you about the revelation." Why well, he's got a bullet hole in him, and the cops are burning his house down and stuff. Yeah, so yeah, I imagine he had some choice fucking words to say about what God should be doing. And what a burger, apparently. And what a burger. Um, no, seriously, yeah. like that. That was one of the little random anecdotes. It was like a PS to one of the videos I was listening to, and they're like, and talking about his mental health. Apparently, when uh, retrieving his uh, what a burger for the day, the, that there's audio recording saying, uh, "If I live through this, the Lord will know about what uh, the world will know about what a burger." 
Yeah. And it's just like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> it's a Texas staple, man. It's a Texas staple. But um, imagine like, hey man, when you get a double double in fries and a fucking uh, 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 surfer size, you, know, you get what you get. Imagine finding out that like you were the employee on that shift. That made David Koresh a burger. Oh man, he got. I bet he got thrown to the ground, searched like a motherfucker. <laughs> I'm just talking where's about like that, a personal where's the life. Extra, where's the extra ketchup packets, motherfucker? <laughs> we are in a standoff. He needs his extra ketchup packets. <laughs> Puts a gun to his head. I don't want to die. <laughs> and then he becomes Sir, ketchup the, packets are an extra be, ten cents. Then he becomes a cop killing terrorist. Yeah. <laughs> Those ketchup packets are an extra ten cents. This isn't worth my job. <laughs> some 30 minutes or less shit yeah <laughs> true story on that that's fucking terrible yeah yeah um but so he they kind of re renege on the whole deal uh they don't show it they play half ass and guess what he still has tv he still has he can still see if it's happening and it's and it didn't and he all all the trust dissolves between the negotiator and david koresh and of all the people on that side, I kind of feel bad for was the negotiator because they were going behind his back and fucking shit up as much as possible. And he was with the FBI, you know, so that's a big part of this that, you know, interdepartment cohesion needs to exist. As soon as the FBI showed up, they should have told the ATF to go fuck off permanently. Right. There's no reason the ATF need to be there because now a federal agent is killed on American soil, so that's when the FBI gets involved. So shut the fuck up. Yeah. That's that's one of those things where I think like if a cop breaks the law, the cop shouldn't be allowed to investigate it. The FBI should be allowed to investigate it and then put a bullet in him in public. That, that, that's <laughs> Chris's world. Chris's America is free as shit. <laughs> Except for the chicken thing, which I'll explain later. It's very elaborate. But but you'll never run out of eggs. A chicken in every pot and a cap in every ass. Oh, God damn it. Um, the next, Sounds like Morsel for Jones. The next FDR right here. Sands of the wheelchair. Um, so him and his children and some more congregation members are still inside. The we ain't coming out group. As to say about the mindset of the children, they don't know what's going on. They are the most innocent people in this whole whole thing. Um, so the fire breaks out, engulfs the compound. Um, some of the congregation that remained are said to have fled and were shot on sight. This is a big contention with a lot of people who talk about this. Um, some people, some officers have said they've seen the evidence of heat vision of people shooting people trying to flee the fire, shooting children even. I can't say that I haven't seen that footage. So, but you're welcome to look it up because <laughs> that's not one of those videos I kind of want to start looking up this week. Yeah, no, not really. That's not, that's not something you kind of want to dive into. But what happens afterward is the shit show that is not only the cleanup, but the court case that follows. And, and, and side note, this thing got burnt to the fucking ground. Yes. It wasn't like, oh, wow, there's a little fire. It was like raging flames by the time it's done. You just yeah. have like a couple pieces of wood sticking up and ash. So a lot of the footage we see is from news crews. 
Uh, fun fact, uh, the ATF is another fuck-up they had. Uh, they tell the news crew to move. Okay. They didn't tell them where to go. So they moved across a another ridge, which actually was actually closer to the compound and had a better vantage point for their cameras. So they saw the APC with the um, tank attachment, basically. I'm going to call it tank attachment. But it's a ramming rod on top striking the compound. Now, the compound, as we know now, is a general steel building made with drywall, lumber, insulation. So it's not very... About as structurally sound as this apartment. Right. You know, it's going to take, you know, a tank rolling through it ain't going to be shit. And what they inadvertently did, the tank operator did, um, was create a big enough hole for oxygen to suck into the building and cause the fire to rage faster. Um, later on, it, it was found that David was found with the bodies of most of the children. Uh, granted, they are his children. Um, the bodies of some parishioners and congregants, and that was that. The court case that followed um, was a judiciary kind of committee that investigated what was going on. A lot of state officials even said, no, the ATF fucked up. They deserve to be reprimanded to the highest fucking order. Um, and some of them didn't face any consequence. Uh, Agent Rodriguez was still part of the ATF. He kicked this off with his stupid fucking report. Yep. Those four agents went on to lead regular lives. I had hoped they were getting shot. <laughs> but in my research, that is not true. <laughs> so, even... Slightly disappointed. Yeah, bad cops live forever. <laughs> yeah. And, and another piece of the contention that I also saw online was uh, during the cleanup crew... They discovered not only Koresh, you know, with his, you know, children and everything, but other members of the family with what they claim to be self-inflicted bullet wounds to the head. Yes. Uh, uh, the, all in a effort to fulfill their doomsday prophecy. Uh, yeah, that's the contention. So uh, a big part of Seventh-day Adventism and Branch Davidian, suicide is wrong. Not like the People's Temple. With Jim Jones, but no, suicide is his sin. And tech, you know, it's illegal. Like, it's actually all the books. Yeah, illegal. no, that's fucking weird. And I was like, yeah, it is illegal to destroy government property. So, like, oh, uh, <laughs> the government owns you, motherfucker. <laughs> but um, after this, uh, Timothy McVeigh goes back home. Um, and he has now developed a surefire hatred for the government, not only because of Ruby Ridge, but also now Waco. Some history about Timothy McVeigh. He is a veteran. Um, he was discharged from the military. He became involved in very anti-government sympathies because of the, what he was doing. His, his exact quotes were, I didn't want to kill children for the government. Yep. Because that's how he saw himself as a killer of children. Um, and I can only imagine what he was going through uh, when he was in the gov- uh, when he was involved. Um, but yeah, he uses this as a kind of a context to do what he does best, which is blow shit up. Um, so with Timothy McVeigh, him and a guy named Terry Nichols, who was also um, involved with the, uh, the Oklahoma City bombing. Right. Um, 
which happened uh, not far, not long after Winko. Like I said, it, the the whole um, April kind of thing on April twentieth um, really yeah. comes into play. Yeah, um, Timmy McVeigh is the poster child for propaganda news. Got so, it. Uh, he developed a personal vendetta against the government because of Waco. And so did a lot of other people. Oh, yeah. Um, there, there was a big upswelling within uh, deep South communities that... Well, not, gov- just, not just deep South, but white supremacy groups across the country. Yeah. So uh, that was like the government was stepping in, trying to take our guns, all mm-hmm. this other stuff. They got a bunch of rally behind them for it. Um, so two years later in 1995, um, he rents a van fills it with fertilizer and some other explosives. It is. And (laughs) parks it in front of the uh, Alfred P. Murrow Federal Building, which is the home to the local Oklahoma ATF, uh, other government agencies, but it also mimics what happens in the book Turner Diaries. Um, In the book, it seemed like a heroic act that they're blowing up this federal building and they're like, you know, I've read that book once, and that was enough. But yeah. but it was just like, it's first of all, it's terribly written. Second of all, the plot is dumber than fuck. But them blowing up a federal building to solve all their problems did not make fucking sense. One out of five stars. Yeah, yeah, one bombing out of one. <laughs> uh, but um, in 1995, he successfully blows out a whole chunk of the Oklahoma City um, building. Um, it killed uh, 168 people, uh, 19 of whom were children. What he didn't know was he had parked it next to the daycare part of the building. Um, yeah. Um, it injured over 680 others. Um, this was the largest bomb attack before 9-11. Period. Um, he's later caught relatively, I think the same day, if I remember correct. Um, but another part of this it's kind of a weird story. So he ordered a Penske truck, which is this kind of before you all a Penske truck. It was a big box truck. Yep. Um, big old green on the side. There was a family driving down the road, not far from Oklahoma city. And all of a sudden the rear axle of this truck, after it exploded, landed on the engine of their car, stopping them immediately and wrecking them. And it was the back axle of the Penske truck. That's how bad the explosion was. Wow. It blew the axle up and onto the road. Um, I'll go into a quick little summary. David, uh, Timothy, Timmy was caught because he didn't have a driver's license and had some weird shit in a stolen vehicle. And so they caught his ass. Planted a little better. Planted a little better. But um, fun fact, <laughs> the other guy got caught because he was wearing a Panthers hat because in 1994-95 was the creation of the Carolina Panthers and not a lot of people knew that fucking symbol oh shit go Panthers wow (laughs) (laughs) what a dumb like my first thought was what a dumbass I know but like if you're gonna wear the hat of a T wear like the socks or the fucking Yankees or some shit (laughs) but you wear Panthers brand new fucking hat (laughs) But, Good job, dumbass. <laughs> Way to go, dumbass. <laughs> but uh, he is eventually captured um, and sentenced uh, to death. Um, 
he is killed in June of 2001. Yeah. Shortly before 9-11. Which one of his plans, they later reported after his death, was to go to New York and blow up buildings in New York. Not Mm. by plane, but just blow them the fuck up. Because, fun fact, in the early 90s, someone tried to bomb the World Trade Center in the parking deck. (laughs) But that failed. I remember hearing about that. Yeah. So, that old news. Um, But with with what happened in Waco... And the subsequent things that happened afterward, the FBI reported a rise in memberships across the board in white supremacist group, anti-government uh, groups, um, and you know, a whole distrust had had fully fully developed by then. Uh, by the time 90, 1996 rolled around, um, Bill Clinton had won election again, but there was an uncertainty in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, later on. Um, the shooting in Columbine happened, which, you know, we we are desensitized to the news. There's a Columbine every day for us. Um, Dave Chappelle had a great bit about that. And he talked yep. about when he was a kid, when he was younger, talking about the Challenger explosion in 86. And he's like, I feel bad for younger people because every day is the fucking Challenger explosion. Um, but that's more of just the mass media being yeah. available to us. You know, we, we have the whole universe in our fucking hands now. We can look up any lie or truth we want. But uh, Timothy McVeigh, along with um, Ted Kaczynski, which is another Mm anti-government terrorist uh, who did the um, Olympic bombings in Atlanta, um, and also lived in a shack, went to Yale. It may have been a conspiracy about David Kaczynski, or about uh, Kaczynski was, uh, he was part of the LSD experiments in MKUltra. Another conspiracy. All right, cool, all right. But he just hated federal judges and wanted to blow them the fuck up. He blew up mailboxes. Uh, lived in a shack, one window, one door. <laughs> Sounds like an SNL skit. Yep. Just old Ted. I think there's there's a lot of Ted Kaczynski sketches. They're fucking hilarious. <laughs> hey, Ted, you want to be a postman? What? <clears throat> but it also, in, in the 90s, were the postman shootings. Like, someone losing their fucking mind at a post office. That became yep. a joke. Going postal. Yep. You know, and... What uh, the fuck is going on at the post office? <laughs> dude, fucking monotony. That's what's going on. <laughs> I gave this fucking government 20 years. You know what they gave me? An envelope. <laughs> and, and the thing is, is about with this whole Waco scenario is, it feels like this and the Manson family have spawned the most documentaries, TV specials, deep dives, conspiracies. It feels like those two are in the top. So it's kind what, of a, what really captured the imagination like with the Manson family? American made. That that that's the best description I can give to Charles Manson and his group. I have my own theories about that. You know, listen to our episode about the Manson family, but Charles Manson is a mental midget. Tex Watson killed those motherfuckers and beat Charles Manson's ass on the fucking regular. It was really in charge of the Manson family. But Tex Watson is in jail and somehow still fucking alive, I think. So is Sadie Mae Watkins and Linda Kasabian, which uh, my parents have cats named after the Manson family. One's Linda, Susie, Squeaky, Manson. Like, they literally named them after the Manson family. Damn. But they're assholes. So, the cats are. Um I love how you had to clarify the cats are as if if the family wasn't. But uh, the fascination, I think, is the cult aspect. People think, oh, you must be weak-willed, weak-minded to be in a cult. That's not fucking true. Um, Tex Watson was part of the Charles Manson cult. He was a a successful guy in high school. Um, 
he was athletic. He, you know, with a man like Tex Watson, he's he, got to be athletic. Guess where he was from? <laughs> uh, uh, Indiana? No. Uh, Oklahoma. No. I had this friend Tex. He was from Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> and my buddy Shy Dog. He was from. He was from Charlotte. <laughs> but um, but like with these people, you know, same with you know David and Branch Davidians. These people were part of the community. That were part of the Waco community. Part of their own little sect of it. But they were part of it. People knew these people. Hey, this is Linda. She had two kids. She went to church at the compound and. She didn't go that day, so nothing happened. And it's like, can you imagine the people that did go to the church on the regular finding out that for almost two months that your church is now the the breeding ground for they say terrorist activity now is a mass grave. Um, that's another thing, like the cleanup or the the, the investigation later. Um, damage control guys were told to wait days before they could go in, and which was bullshit because now it's. Now you get that kind of saying is oh no they probably just shot themselves and it's just like that is the biggest oversight I can imagine um, no different yeah. we we've seen this before with ICE agents uh, south of the border mm-hmm. uh, which happens a lot they do some really weird shit on the border they take pop shots over the border which is illegal as fuck you know uh, which could could ignite into something worse you know you know everybody talks about America strong but guess what. There's still a large country above us and large country below us, mm-hmm. you know, and there, you got to take responsibility. And so I agree. it's kind of hard to say, but the, the overarching thing about the cults is these people are not dumb. These people know exactly what they're getting into. They want to belong to something because yeah. the thing they belonged to before rejected them. The Manson family is a perfect example of what happens when you get a bunch of rejected people together in an area because guess what all the hippie generation was dying out in the late 60s so he's like hey i got drugs and a roof <laughs> and they're like let's keep the party going i got drugs a roof i got a whole damn western town spawn ranch was a western like motif town hey come here grab a fucking bite to eat fuck who you want to fuck take as much drugs as you want talk to charlie every now and then we'll make some music yeah we'll make some we'll fucking make the next goddamn record i know one of the beatles or no one of the uh, uh monkeys uh beach, beach boys. boys yeah one of them crazy motherfuckers you know they, they fucking look, i'm gonna take this dude's ear off though <laughs> it's <laughs> mine it's mine but you might have to kill some people for me that's all and then he starts preaching about helter skelter which is nothing but a beatles song but like the the race war which is basically what it was um and you know, David Koresh, he preached something similar. The end times are coming. That was the big thing about Seventh-day Adventism is they their strong belief in the end times. Mm-hmm. Um, a great story is about a preacher who said that, uh, the end was coming in like May of 2004 and got into like New York, uh, New York, um, and there was a news big, big, reporters all around. They're them. just waiting, and they were about to shove a microphone up his ass, and he's just like, "I may have made miscalculations," and he did. And he's like, "No, it's two years from now." And then it's like, "Shut the fuck up." There's a YouTube channel called The Internet Historian uh, that did a really good video on all the false uh, doomsday prophe- prophecies, and yeah. uh, he covered that one. It was yeah. really good. But uh, they be- they believed that the end would come. They didn't know when, but they wanted to be prepared for. And I think that's kind of a dangerous thing to think that you know there's a you don't have your uh, ration bucket i do but i don't think the end's gonna just come i do it because if i like run out of gas on my car i could just you know have something to eat and a gun to shop with <laughs> so like 
<laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Like these are these are things you know. I I can understand. Like I'm not a prepper, but I'm being prepared for things. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. have a couple drinks, have a gal, have a couple gallons of water in your house. You know, just in case the water goes out. Have something to charge your phone with. You know, or your vape with. <laughs> Whatever. Have an extra bag of coke hidden behind the toilet just in case your family comes over unannounced. <laughs> You know, have these things ready. It's, right. You, you got to be prepared. <laughs> got to be prepared, bro. Prepared, you know, keep a mannequin in your car. So for the HOV lane, you know, simple things. <laughs> Just use your blow-up doll. Just use your blow-up doll. I stole a mannequin from a Sears that collapsed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're heavy, actually. Uh, well, but, you know what? I think uh, I think third time may have been the charm with this one. It feels like you kind of th- this was one of the better CCCs. Yeah, and, when it comes to laying out timeline and narrative and everything else. And you know, we'll we'll come back to some of these subjects, uh, the conspiracy of you know who shot first at Ruby Ridge. We we know who, but uh, you know it's, these things echo into tragedy later on. Um, even as we joked about cornflakes, you know. You know the seven was uh, the seven ties to Kevin Bacon. You know, like seven ties to fucking David Koresh yeah. when it comes to fucking cornflakes of all things or Dr Pepper or whatever. Yeah. So like you do, these people create a ripple effect that affect us to a point, but it can always come to a head as a wave of tragedy, which is you know the story of the Oklahoma City bombing. Um, you know, we didn't go. I didn't go into it much, but like that was a direct cause because of Ruby Ridge and Waco. Um, government policy was changed and then changed again because of nine eleven. Um, probably revisit that. We'll be revisiting some of our older episodes for part twos. Um, but you know, I'm really excited to talk to anybody about this. Anybody in the Discord, let me know. I'll be happy to talk to you about any of this crazy bullshit, just like we did with Tyler last time. Yeah, I'm ready for part four or part three. Um, <laughs> um, aliens. Keep aliens. Going. Aliens, man. Uh, white people, are they? do they belong on Earth? You know, <laughs> these, are, these are the questions that need to be asked. <laughs> did Captain Crunch fight in the Navy? He did not. He stolen valor. Dr. Pepper has no doctor. Did Bugs has Bunny, no doctorate. Did Bugs Bunny inspire the trans community? Come out sooner. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? You know, it these, was it wasn't Sharon Elton John. It was Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Bugs Bunny. That that motherfucker dressed how he wanted to dress and That's did whatever right. the fuck he wanted to do and was proud of it. God damn it! There is actually a story you've heard. So fun fact about I'm going to end it on here. Fun thing about Bugs Bunny. He accidentally created a term that we use that is stupid as shit. What's up, Doc? Nope. Uh, if I called someone a Nimrod, what does that mean to you? If I said, man, Joe's a big fucking Nimrod. Oh, like an idiot. Yeah. Bugs Bunny calls Elmer Fudd a Nimrod constantly. That's not why he calls him that. Nimrod in the Bible is a hunter. He's calling him a bad hunter. And we use that term today to call someone a fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) But that goes on to a whole different thing about theology and the weird shit the Bible says. But yeah, that's a fun fact about Bugs Bunny. Learned something new today. He changed the whole term of the gospel into calling someone a fucking dumbass. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know the guy? You know the guy who was in charge and head of the Jews? He was a great hunter. Nah, why don't we just use that term now? Fucking idiot. (laughs) 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 Fucking idiot. God damn it. Nimrod. Nimrod. But thanks, folks. Thanks for listening. Alex, thanks for coming back. Of course. Thank you for having me. Uh, we'll be getting the show a little bit 
trying to get this show a little bit more on the road. I may be working the next 30 days in a row. <laughs> I might have time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Thanks, guys, for listening. Hit us up on the Discord.